Welcome to Honestly Unbalanced, episode 24. And our guest this week is actually, not that it's a competition, but probably the most balanced guest we've had. But it hasn't really always been that way. So Malvin Carlisle, he's the chairman of the famous Mind Body Spirit Festival, uh, which is the biggest of its kind in the world. He's created the London Wildbring Festival. He's the chairman of charity, the Ashok Tree Foundation, and is also an ambassador for Omnom, alongside Russell Brand and Jay Shetty. You enjoy this convo. Mao is a very cool dude. Whether you're practicing at home or back in studios, you probably want your own mat and why not choose the best mat? For me, that is a lifeform mat. I've used them forever, it seems. Uh, and with code the hustlers, you get 10% off and we get a little kickback. So head to the website, lifeform, and use Honestly that code. Unbalanced. Okay. So Mal... You've given me actually one of the best nights I've had for the last few years. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> Don't know. No, you invited us to the, uh, the event with Krishna Das, that private event with oh, Krishna yes. Das, which oh, no, was... Oh, I know. Wasn't that awesome? That was incredible. And at that moment, we'd just done something with Dave Stringer. We'd literally just come back from a Kirtan training with Dave Stringer. Mm. We were in that completely. And then you bizarrely invited us to that. And we'd been looking for tickets for it and we couldn't get any. Uh, yeah, so thank you. Yeah, that's meant to and how did, how did that happen? That I night? have no idea. I have no idea. No, <laughs> oh, it, it, it's all part of the magic. I mean, K, KD was coming over anyway. We were doing a couple of gigs with him. Wow. And um, some friends of mine said, well, let's let's do a private party. We were just launching um, Omnom, the oh, restaurant yeah. as well. Yeah. So let's do a big party. Um, and Neil gave us the house and the gardens and all those rose petals. Oh my God. That was insane. Out of that I thought I was dreaming at one point. I was just looking around thinking, is this real? We had no idea that this so, was going to happen. For context to everyone listening, so this is this beautiful house in central London. And there were obviously Krishna Das playing in the basement music, but before that, the most incredible food, mm. these like l- leaf blowers, but blowing out petals. millions so of petals, dancing, mm. like the most unexpected, wonderful night. It was stunning. I know, wasn't it? That's mm. just part of the magic that I'm, I've fallen into, luckily. Is, this, is your, ma- your life just one series no. of magical <laughs> moments? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Tell us about the other bits then. <laughs> but no, from the outside, it might look it, but no, of course not. <laughs> no. That was, I mean, for me, again that was a i love that intimacy with kd yeah to be in a room with just like 50 people and, and to do a gig yeah um but that was real special that was a real special night and it was nice because there were some really, there were some great people that rocked up as well yeah it was nice to you know jasmine hemsley turned up yeah saw her um, some hay house guys um kirsty i think you know Kirsty. yes Gower. we actually had kirsty on our podcast she was one of my favorites she's just amazing and she's she, rocking she, the moon world isn't she yes and she actually talked about you and, and gave you a lot of credit in saying that she, you actually pushed her to initially to do a talk at mind body spirit festival yes, and she was terrified yes. but oh. it, it just went down so well and look she's just doing amazingly now oh, she's a natural and her, oh, story, yeah. is, her story is a great empowerment story again oh yeah super inspiring so yeah. How how have you come to, I guess, do what you do? Because yeah. you, obviously you run events and you know, mind-body mind event, etc. 
But yep. more than that, you seem to kind of know everyone and seem to have become like a voice of guidance for many, many, many people. Mm. Like you're it, like this supportive person who can kind of hook people up and connect people. Like where does this develop from? I don't know, mate. It, it, <laughs> it, it, I'm a bridge and that's it. I can, I can bridge for people to, to cross over and bridge between different worlds so they can meet and sort of converse and, and, and uh, find mm. what they're looking for. Mm. And that's a real lovely thing. But I, you know, for me personally, I turned on consciously really late in my life, really. I probably was about 40. Mm. And uh, so when I see younger people turning on at sort of much, much younger age, it's so exciting for me. What would you... So obviously, I can do what I can to help them. What would you say is t- is turning on then? Just being consciously aware that you're conscious, full stop. Yeah. And you know, we function at what the lower levels of life, which is food, shelter, sex, yeah, safety. But, you know, there's... When so for me, consciousness is coming up above those levels mm. into realizing how connected we actually all are, and that this is a you know that you make your tribe. So, what was life like before you were turned on? Then, <laughs> who were you before? Real, well, real early, real early days would have been. I, I would hate to have known me. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Truly, no. I was. I was a. Uh, well, I was a musician. I was a singer in a ba- in a band. Oh wow. And I was the most egotistical mother you were ever going to meet. And, oh, you know, my God. When I look back, it's like, oh, my God. How did I get away with any of that? And what kind of music? What kind of music was that? Oh, it, was, it was rock and roll. It was, you know, it was sex, drugs and rock and roll. Mm. You know, in, in the confines of like a, a, a town, not sort of world stage or anything. But just I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I never really have. And did that become like a career for a little while? music it became a passion and an obsession um but i've always kind of needed money so i've always needed to to do stuff and music's a tough business it doesn't actually give you any of that you know unless you're successful and there's millions of people trying to be successful yeah so for me that was the start of tapping into my creativity i guess and what was the turning point for you then when you woke up as such well first was music when when you're when you're a, a front man in a band you kind of have loads of friends and loads of people around you and then suddenly you stop doing that and it's like those people go plah and you go ah oh, who am i mm. so you sort of muddle along um turning point i would then moved into films and film distribution and blah 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 and the turning point in that was my brother-in-law passing, left us a little bit of money, and I just licensed a whole load of what at the time videos from the US to release in the UK, and they were um, Neil Donald Walsh, uh, Joseph Campbell, Caroline Mice, and Deepak Chopra. Oh, wow. And we, I sat down with my wife, and I was in floods of tears, and I thought, why don't I know this stuff? Why don't people know this stuff? Because mm. it wasn't widely available. And that was where it all kicked off, really. So then we started a mail order company so we could get this information out there. And it's been a flow ever since. Did you feel and, like, like it was almost like, not a calling, but it was at that point you were so passionate about it. Yes, you were making money from it, but it became a little bit more than that as well. Absolutely. It became yeah, like- no, it was totally a passion because this is really important stuff. Yeah. 
as you as you mentioned about you know Jack Cornfield earlier and meditation. It's just really important. Yeah, people stuff. need to know this stuff. <laughs> but I guess everyone discovers it at the right time. Would you say that? Absolutely. Would, Again, absolutely. And yeah. that's why you know doing what we do with with the festival. We yes, we can be gatekeepers, and yes, we have a duty of care, but we're not censors. Mm. You know, I I, ent- I entered into this through filming alien abduction interviews and <laughs> UFO encounters be- yeah. because at the time that's what I could afford. I could make those really cheap. Yeah, and then in doing that, you just meet more and more and more people, and it just wakes you up, and then you realise the UFO thing's fascinating. Yeah, but all there are questions there's another question no, there's never an answer so you got to put that one down because you get obsessed yeah but do, do you really want there to be an answer it's like finding out the magician's trick like you don't actually want to know because then it'd be boring <laughs> i mean if you, if you do know then what that is yeah different. yeah exactly what, what do you do, do with that information <laughs> as, a, as a segue best ufo story please what was the best one you heard <laughs> did you have an experience with aliens um, did I? No, I don't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. I've had an experience in a haunted house. Ooh. Oh, wow. um, where, and really, that, when you've got a film crew there and I'm in a haunted house, the first first documentary I've ever made and the mediums and spirits everywhere going, oh, wow. ooh, it's gone a bit cold here. <laughs> oh, I've got a crew and I'm going, oh, there's no use to me, guys. <laughs> Um, so that was quite funny, but then I was used by whatever to make something happen for somebody else, and then we filmed that thing that happened for somebody else, which was talking them into being part of the circle. Mm. They came into the circle. They didn't want to be. I spent the whole day talking them into it, and who knows why. Came into the circle, got a message from her father, <gasps> which freed up her entire life. It was beautiful. Oh, my God. What, like a seance I mean, you're talking about, that kind of vibe? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Wow. And it was just, it freed her, it freed her. And it's, um, oh, how lovely. I can, if I watch it today, I can still cry. And it made <gasps> me realise you can actually capture emotion. You can't get a ghost on a film. You know, forget it. Yeah. It's no point. So what? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And when you, when you talked about the things that like Deepak Chopra, et cetera, had in that DVD that people should know, yep. like what were those kind of things? What were those things that really stuck there for you? The Law of Least Effort, one of my favourites. Of least resistance, or least, is that what? Yeah. You, yeah, least effort. And how would you? Which, uh, what would you? How would you describe that? Laws. Sorry. How would you describe that one? Just getting yourself out of the way and allowing it to flow. Yeah, that that's something that's so unnatural for humans because I think we, I think we think that life is supposed to be complicated and we go out of our way to make it harder for ourselves, but actually it's just about flowing, uh, finding what feels right for you, and then just. Yeah, like you said, get out of the way of yourself and let it flow. And having the right teacher at the right exactly. time. Exactly. Because I was, I was doing that that archetypal man thing where, you know, we had two kids. We'd, we'd lost our house because of a, a business had gone wrong. Mm. And um, every day I was up doing what? Nothing. I don't know. What am I doing? I'm going to earn some money. I'm going to be blah, blah, blah. And my wife was saying, stop, stop, stop. So I ended up, I almost got a job in um, a lumberyard. And the guy said to me, I can't employ you, you're too over. I said, just give me a job, please. He said, no, I can't employ you. He wouldn't. Anything. And then then my wife said, listen, stop. Stop, stop, stop. And you've got to surrender. She's a psychotherapist, so you listen to people. Yeah. So I surrendered and 
three or four days later, I had an old client phone up and say, well, what's going on? Where you been? And I said, well, this is happening. He said, we can't have that and just invested money. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. It's only, it only through surrender. That's just that, that, but that is the hardest thing to do. What would you say to someone who is, you know, in a position that you are in similar and, and it's how do you tell someone to let go? Because you can say the words and someone can understand it, but how do you actually embody that? You know, I've said it to so many people and you've got to have the ears. You have the ears to hear that at the right time. Right, yeah. And have someone to guide you through it. Yeah, that process. yeah. They say that the teacher comes when the when the student's ready. Is that it's right? It's a very romantic notion, isn't it? Yeah. But you know, it, it look, if you look around, it, it does happen. Yeah. But you've got to be clear. It's the same as healing. It's the same as anything. Same yeah. as manifestation. If you haven't got the right vibe, it's not going to happen for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And did you try and find any teachers at that stage? Uh, uh, I had a teacher at that stage. Yeah. Who will remain nameless. Mm. Um, good teacher though, um, below the radar. Uh, I didn't have any money to pay for the teachings, and um, they would always say to me, "Okay, make, make me something. Make me go, in, go into the field. Make me something. Bring oh, something that you've created wow. as your payment." And that was my introduction to to uh, meditation. Yeah, I see. So you were you consciously searching for a teacher or someone to guide you at this time? No, because I was still a bit. I don't need. I don't need nothing. I got this. I got this. It's, I got this yeah. sorted. Your wife must see a massive change in you, or must have seen a big change in you. Then oh, is, is she is she aligned? Is she sort of in in the in the yeah. same? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that makes beautiful soul. Oh, well, that know, makes helping, it easier. Helping people all over the place, especially during during COVID as well. Helping people online, just oh, how, lovely to see. Oh, how lovely! It's tough, you know. You know, I can never win an argument. <laughs> well you can't against a girl well, against a woman no well, it's especially just not... not against a psychotherapist <laughs> yeah, no chance at all uh, so you started in mind body spirit festival as an exhibitionist i think before an exhibitionist did i read that wrong <laughs> exhibition isn't is it an exhibitionist that's not what i <laughs> you know what i mean as an exhibitor. <laughs> right, get that image out of my head. Okay, as an exhibitor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So what were you, what were, what were you exhibiting there? The, 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 the very products I spoke to you about when we were able to put them onto video. So oh, okay, all, yeah. It was that, it was, um, and to sort of add to that, we were finding artifacts and Buddhist items and things like that for people. And um, it was when the show was just getting a little tired yeah. The festival was get, was getting um it needed to to sort of Perk move up. itself forward. It it had been, been around since 77. Yeah. Wow. And so I think I think we did that for about as an exhibitor about 3 or 4 years and then the uh the then owner a guy called John Holder um said to me, "Do you want can you come on board? Can you can you take it over?" Wow. Um so we did and um just reinvented the whole thing, got it out of um the tiny hall it was in, moved it back to Olympia where it very, very first mm. started um, with a guy called Graham Wilson. And it's all been big, 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 big ever since and such fun and wow. such a great tribe and what a vibe. Did you ever at any point regret doing it? Because it's, it's such a huge thing to take over. Did you ever think, oh my God, what have I done? No, or, no. It, you just knew it no. was meant to, yeah. No, it's always having a good, it's having a good team. Yeah. 
Because did you did you have any kind of explicit experience kind of managing events like that, or was most of your experience no. based in? Like... No, I've got I've got that attitude. I can do that. Get a job. I can do that. I can do that. I can do <laughs> love that. that. And you know, you just gotta. I've never made a film before, and I was making films wow. or documentaries. You know, yeah. I've never written a song before, and I was writing songs. <laughs> just gotta chuck yourself into it with all the belief you've got. Oh, I love What's that. the worst that can happen? Yeah. And has it good? I've obviously I've known about the festival since I've been in London, so about five years. And I've seen you know it's always been a fairly big festival. Like before that, like did it gr- did it grow rapidly? Uh, like how how was it before you know before the last five years? It was in um, it was in a little hall really in um, the Royal Hood Cultural Halls, and it was really we had work. There were still there were workshops on the top floors. Um, but there were no sort of, other than the experience of the exhibitors and, and buying stuff like a marketplace, there was nothing for people. They would come and go, and that was it, or do a workshop. And that wasn't enough for me. I needed to put all these free experiences in so people could come and taste, because not everyone can afford to go to a workshop. Yeah. No, they can't. So we were just putting all these free features in, and that's where it really took off and started growing. And how long have you? How long have you been doing this for? I've no idea. I just don't care. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Wow. And then, kind of, what's a remit for who you want along there? Is it kind of anyone that can bring anything to wellness? Like, mm. how how has that changed? How do you mean the people? The uh, the exhibitors, like, or the, the people teachers. doing talks, etc. Like, what's the scope of what you're trying to bring on board? Exhibitors had to really fall into a remit of having something that people would be interested in and were worthy um, or of service to people that came to the show. We try and obviously filter as much as we can, anything that might be harmful mm. um, because we do have that duty of care. Yeah. And regarding um, people doing workshops or people doing free, it was just people that I liked, Yeah, people that I got a good vibe from yeah. and that I felt were really doing something of, of service that was because as you both know there's so much toot out there in this sort of spiritual world and, yeah. but there's some nuggets in there that need nurturing do you think that's got worse because of course of course now the wellness industry is a thing I and mean, kind of that's why yep. we have this podcast because we're talking about the wellness industry mm. so like how have you observed it change like is there so much more fluff in it now do you think uh, so many more people oh, for doing no, it. The fluff the... has always now the fluff. So the fluff has always been there. Fluff has been. What I've seen is more body focused. Really, I think is is the the main sort of growth areas. That whole I want to look like this rather than I want to feel like this. So it's mm. become a much more sort of externalized issue for people. I think. Yeah. In, in my opinion. I yeah, like that. I, mean, I want to look like this rather than feel like this. Yeah, I like that. What do you say? That no, you no, no. I like, I like that phrase, that turn <laughs> right. of phrase. And yeah. it should be, how do you want to feel? Yeah. Yeah, because for me, well-being, it's, it's a whole 360. It's a whole 360. Yeah. It's, not just, it's not just the looking great in a pair of pants and skinny and la, la, la. It's mm. actually, I, I, obviously, I know a lot of people that teach yoga. Yeah. I know a lot of people that call themselves healer. Most of the healers shouldn't be putting their hands on people. Oh really? Most of the yoga teachers really aren't teachers. Yeah, mm. it's that must be really quite difficult for you then to like, as you say, filter out the authentic from the when, inauthentic. 
you have to give someone a platform to see yeah. how they can. Yeah, that's true. Themselves. Yeah. So some, I don't know if you know a woman called Denise Ninova. No, no. Yoga teacher, beautiful yoga teacher. Yeah. And uh, first gig that I ever offered her, she rocked up, she bought the mat and she'd made little tiny brocanza bags with an oh. essence in and a rose quartz for oh. everyone. Lovely. And she's continued. Now she works with um, challenged children. Oh, wow. Yeah. Beautiful. And so that's sort of, and that's what happens. And if someone else to just rock up late. Yeah. Not prepared. And yeah. so you're not going to have those guys back, but you have to have that sort of level of trust. Yeah. First of all, yeah, as sure. uniquely, you've got to trust everyone at least once. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And because you're bound to get the people that are not going to work, but then you just naturally let them go over time and give them a chance, like you say. Yeah. Even my, even my dear friend and, uh, and business associate, Yogi Ashokananda. I don't yeah. know if you know Yogi. Yeah. 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 He's a lad, you know. <laughs> Every time I give him a gig, I, I can hear on the intercom, anyone seen Yogi? <laughs> he's all you know he's, he's off somewhere and we have to go find him bring him back to the class do you get to enjoy the the festival or are you just running around like a headless chicken trying to make no, sure I totally everything again oh. it's, having, it's having a team that's My so team nice absolutely top hole brilliant people how many do you have in your team so we have five and then when we grow into the show probably about 30 or 40 people yeah oh wow so exciting just thinking on what you said there about you know giving people that chance and seeing how they interact with people on the first go etc i think we forget that just in in the hecticness of let's say living in a city like london we just we just want results we want to get in do the thing and we forget about that interaction with people whether that be actually having the conversation before or after a class how we interact let's say in the context of a yoga teacher how we interact with the reception staff or the front of house staff how we speak to the management our understanding i think often when it comes like events or studios people create an us against them like it's me against the studio and the studio is this big entity forgetting the studio is people. Mm. The, the, yeah. the, the, there are managers who are people in this. In, in, in your festival, it couldn't be like people. It's a, it's a festival, or I don't like that festival, or the festival haven't given me the good time. And you know, it's not. It's actually there's people doing their best behind the scenes. Mm. And, Absolutely. Uh, and we forget that element. I think sometimes. Mm. I hear that. You hear that all the time. People slagging off studios. Oh, you can't please everyone, though, can you? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. But that. But I think as as people as, as, as students as teachers or yeah. as practitioners or healers i think it's our job and we should be leading by example of actually trying to be understanding and trying to have empathy compassionate i just have to have empathy yeah. with the people that aren't in the healer role the person who is just helping set up the space yeah etc what would you say your your biggest challenge is when it comes to setting up mind body spirit oh, or running in boxes <laughs> so mundane <laughs> I hate Carrying boxes and getting ready for the show and breaking it down and taking it back. Yeah. Do you do you ever feel sort of um, like anxious or nervous that that things are going to go wrong, or you do you keep quite a, a cool head about I'm it? Oh, so so chilled. Oh, I think really. I, I read. So, so I, I was reading. I've a, a great. I've got a great um, managing director in place though now. Yeah, that and helps. He's just Mister Events. Yeah. And I said, which has allowed me to just step back. Mm and watch what we've created and in the early days it was yeah flying around with a radio in my ear and mm. not, but now not so and you've got multiple events now you haven't just got the london one have you you've got multiple events and standalone events 
yep, we just had to be. It yeah. just makes sense. You have you have the overhead. You're looking at the business side of things. You have the overhead, so therefore try and do as much as you can and take. And everything doesn't happen in London, you know. And it's yeah. expensive for people traveling up and down the country to come to London yeah. for the day, do a workshop, maybe stay in a hotel. And then go home. It's a it's a lot of money. It's a big commitment. Mm. And Birmingham is your the big one you do. Birmingham. Oh, say it. It's your hometown. That's my hometown. Birmingham. <laughs> Birmingham's fun. It always is. And fun. I would love to. I I I got invited by one of your team to teach that. And just annoyingly, there's always seems to be clashes. And I would actually really love to have teached in my. I'm, I think I've only taught once in the place that I'm from. Oh really? Which is really which is really odd. Have you? Yeah. How would you find that? That'd be interesting actually, because obviously, a lot of things are London centric, as you said. Uh, and I find when I teach in the regions or in other cities, it's a, a very different wellness industry. And it almost feels like, you know, they're, when I go to Manchester, for instance, you know, they're really actively wanting community because perhaps yeah. there is a slight lack of it. You know, they're the ones sometimes actually reading like the Om Yoga magazine, etc., which I've yeah. never really seen in any studio in London anymore. It, it feels like there is more desire for community, more desire for things in the regions. Have you noticed anything? Yes, absolutely. We used to do a, we used to do a show in Manchester um, up at the GMEX Centre. And I just love the people up there. They were just so game on. Mm. Like you're saying, they were game on. And whether it's because it's a little bit further up the country and it's got more pagan roots, and I don't know what it is. Super friendly. But they were just and such good people. Yeah, I feel like as soon as you go outside of London, up north, everyone's just really friendly. Is that just me? <laughs> I, th I think it's it's just the speed of life in London, isn't it? Yeah, that probably counts for a lot, actually, doesn't it? And you and you you left big city living, didn't you? A while back. Yes. yes. <laughs> did you yes. just get? Did you just yeah, naturally no, we went, tire? We went for countryside. Yeah. A good, you know, a good good time ago. Do you ever get moments of of stillness and quiet, or are you always on the go? No, no, loads, loads of moments of stillness are quiet. Oh. That's that's why I have the chairman role now, mm -hmm. and you know, that's um, yeah. Done my duty. I got a couple of stars on my epaulets, I, and so yeah, I get my, I get a lot of moments of stillness. I get um, the river's really good for. Me. I'm close to the river now, mm, how nice. so being near the river's just my yeah. that's that's my jam. Mm. Just floating along on a little old boat. Oh, how lovely! Everything slows down. And suddenly four or five hours have gone. What kind of boat? Oh, it's a banger. We, we, we bought an old banger when we moved here because we haven't got a garden. Okay. Um, so uh, I thought, well, let's get a boat. So we bought an old banger and it just constantly is a problem for me, but it's beautiful. It's, it it's old. That's all you need. It floats. It floats. I can get about six people on it. So it, that's that's part of my jam here. Oh, when things were more hectic for you, uh, when you know, when you were not necessarily inland, but when you were more actively involved in the physical doing of the festival and yeah. you know the more management management side of things, like did you have any particular techniques to help you find calmness or help you find that balance? Because of course, at, at your festival, there are so many things on offer from meditation and yoga, but equally just just a vast amount of. Done the different things that, that that are there. Did any of them draw you in or help you more than others? No, I've just no, I've just not much phases me. It, it really, <laughs> I'm, you know, because early days in the sort of um, film industry, it was all functioning with those big adrenaline releases. You know, yeah. all, and that that was I thought that was how you lived. 
Wow. So I overdosed on all of that stuff. Yeah. Constantly on the edge, constantly stressed. Yes, I'm stressed, but I'm good when I'm stressed. I'm great when I'm yeah. stressed. Yeah. But yeah, you know, obviously you're not. But you you can function at a certain age in your life on those chemicals. Did you ever burn out from that? No. And I, I think that could be some. There is something like of that in the wellness industry that lots of people in the wellness industry, and I could be speaking out of turn, but have come into it. Let's oh, say speak out of turn. But they they've you know they might have come from let's say dance backgrounds or performance backgrounds or just have always been, let's say, teaching yoga. And they've never, let's, worked in stress. They've never had a high stress job. So I always hear about this idea of burnout. And I always hear about, you know, don't you know, don't work too hard. Or I see on WhatsApp groups constantly, you know, teachers saying, oh, I can't teach this class. I've give, given too much of myself this week. And I can't yeah. relate to that. But there are teachers who, let's say, have legal backgrounds. Or like I worked in law, then the charity sector, uh, or other people from different business backgrounds who seem to be able to cope slightly better like with, with life as a self-employed person. And yeah, I wonder if it's worth like, everyone going through that kind of intense work hardship to be able to cope with the rest of life. Like it's very good training. As much as we need training on the mat, sometimes we need the challenge, really challenging stuff to train us to deal with the rest of life. Hey, you know, I, who knows, but it, it didn't, it did me no harm. Mm. It did me no harm at all. But I thought, you know, going back to one of your other questions. So with, um, together with Yogi that I spoke about earlier, we've got um, a charity school, which we've built in, um, in India mm. with 150 kids. Wow. And being out there, when I, for the first time I went and being of service was the greatest thing that ever, ever, ever happened to me. Wow. Being able to, through your efforts, feed the people in the village that can't afford to feed themselves. Yeah. And uh-uh, I mean, being of service, wow. Everything I've ever done has always been for profit. Mm. Yeah. That, that, so yeah, there's my stillness. There's my wow. really coming home. Plus, you know, yogis created something very special out there. Mm. I've, never, I've never experienced anything like it. Is that actually, and what, what, what is it? What is uh, unique about it? He's, he's just built a piece of heaven. So basically we've got a school with 150 kids, which we educate from donations and some of Yogi's teachings. And around that, he's built um, a retreat. Hmm. So the food's all grown on, on site. Ayurvedic teacher on site. The Yoga Shala. It's just, you know, and I, I, I did a, a Pachakama there. And while I was there, there was a yoga teacher training session going on. And for me, so all I did was visit in the evening to watch how it was going with everyone. It was just mind-blowing. Hmm. Wow. Pure nature. Give away half of everything you grow to the, to the birds and the animals. Mm. Your own cows, a priest that comes in and just does prayers. Everyone's happy. Too much. That sounds incredible. And that's, that's in India? Yes, yeah, in a place called uh, Tiruvannamalai. And how, how could people support that, just as a side note, if they wanted to? Do? Um, well, they, they can support us with the, the Ashok Tree Foundation um, with donations if they wish, or mm. Yogi does lots of um, classes in London um, where the community will give him, like, the village hall or the warehouse, mm. and people just come and they donate what they can, and he teaches there so that it's not just about 
the, the money you make from yoga, but taking yoga to the people that can't afford it. So what, what are your thoughts on like generally giving back in the wellness industry and how people can give back? Mm. That doesn't always happen, does it? It doesn't always happen, but if it doesn't and it's not how, if it's not happening for you and it's not something you're doing, I don't mean you guys personally do it because, oh my God. It's like a gift in itself, isn't oh, it? It's, yeah, just, you know, you've seen all these people tuning forks and, just, yeah. and bowls going, Woo! <laughs> that is what's going on inside of you and it's like oh. wow yeah. am I really am I? and that's what you know Krishna Das when I when I, I you know spoke to him once about what he does and he says listen I'm just a normal guy but I, I try and polish myself a little bit brighter every time and people get drawn to that light yeah mm. that's amazing because you start with yourself don't you work on healing oh, yourself every time how many times have you met someone and they've fed you yeah. And you know in that you you really look forward to meeting that person again. Yeah, yeah. Or you really want to be in their company and then there are other times you go, Oh my god, I've got to stick with this guy. It's it's just an energy exchange. Yeah, exactly. How wonderful a wonderful way to look at things. What what do you what do you want then going forward? Like what is wealth for you going forwards? What do you want more of in your life? Uh, I want hello, what do I want more of in my life? Um I've never gone for the buck, um, so therefore that kind of eliminates a lot of stress mm-hmm. from from my life. I need a certain amount of money to survive. Yeah, but it's not it's not a great big thing. I don't have you know Larry cars or Larry watches or Larry yeah. anything. Mm. A pretty Larry oh, shirt. I like it though. <laughs> Adam, <laughs> I like great. it. I, I do like clothes. <laughs> I'll give you that. I do like clothes. Um, So wealth, it's, it has to be health at the end of the day. Yeah. Mm. That, you know, healthy as you can be. Yeah. And that's not just in what you eat. It's, it's what you give out of your body as well as what you, what you put into it. Yeah. Amazing. Love that. And then go, going forward, like if you could look back at yourself, let's say 30 years ago. Okay. What advice would you be giving yourself now? Like what would you be saying to yourself? <laughs> 30 years ago. This is going to be a great ride, man. Just go with it. Just go with it. Because, you know, I've never had a plan. Have you not? That's really refreshing. I've so never you, you, had you a haven't plan. got like a five-year goal, a 10-year goal, a 15-year no, goal. <laughs> yeah, me too. Every it's... time I get asked that question, I think, what? It's so stressful, that question. Like, what's your five-year plan? I don't I have one. It, it kind of, I, I sometimes think it kind of sets you up for failure. Yeah. Because you write down this big thing, list of things you're going to do in five years' time. Chances are in five years, you won't have done those things. So you'll be disappointed in yourself and disheartened. And chances are like two years down the line, you don't want to do those things anymore, but you've kind of committed to it and you feel yeah. you should do it. If you, otherwise, you haven't achieved your goals. Mm. Now, I think it's actually more harmful than it is useful, potentially. Not for everyone, of course. But I think for a lot of people, it... Some people, it works. It works really well. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of the coaches will say not planning is planning to fail, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, so it just depends. But I've, I've been so lucky and every time I've been broken and every time I've fallen over, which have been a fair few times, I have been very lucky that there's been an angel. Oh. And I don't know, you know, however you want to classify an angel, come and pick me up and say, okay, let's carry on with this. I guess on the idea of planning, I guess it's, it's that, and that quote, like, if, you, if you don't plan, you're planning to fail. 
there's kind of two layers. There's planning for life. And actually, we've got so little control over what happens to us in the next five years. So little control mm. that the planning becomes a little bit futile. Or there is planning for an event that you have in three months, which yeah. you have yeah. a hell of a lot of control over. So yeah. I think in that context, that kind of thing that people say really is relevant. Mm. Yeah, you do need to plan for it to be a success. Yeah. But we have, we have to realise the things we do have so little control over. And respect that. And I think that's really We've important. We've been shown that in a massive way this year, haven't we? Yeah, but... look at where we've just been. I mean, we were in India. Yeah. And um, on this thing that we'd promised ourselves to go and do a, a good old tour and go and see loads of people and get charged up. And look what happened. You know, it's, exactly. we, were, we were messaging people saying, what's this COVID thing? Yeah. Should, should we come home? And everyone's going, nah, stay where you are, mate. Oh, my God. Well, we, we, we took the choice in coming home. <gasps> you and, I mean, look at the unpredictability of what's happened. You could have been stuck in India then. Yeah, which, you know, kind of, I don't know how that would have been. Yeah, wow. And how, how has it affected the festivals? Obviously, you haven't been able to do any festivals mm. in this period, but have you shifted to online? Yeah, so we've moved it digital. Um, Josh and the team have done a superb job with, with moving the whole thing into the digital arena. And again, now preparing for um, kicking off again next year because the, the feedback is people want it back. They just, they want community. They want to hang out together. Yeah. They want to they wanna have fun. Yeah. And that's, and that's you know, the one thing I think that we did for people. Yeah, I th- and I think that is it, the community vibe. I think people need it more than we me that we, we think. I always reference a book on this podcast. It's a book called by Johan Hare. Yeah. It's called Lost Connections. Mm. Uh, I, and it's, I, I can't emphasize, like, recommend this book enough. So Lost Connections, Johan Hare. And it's mainly about, like, it starts off as being a book about depression mm-hmm. uh, and the causes of it. And actually how the most significant causes are lack of connection. Loneliness. Uh, loneliness, lack yeah. of connection, lack, lack of connection with nature. Uh, and people and people etc and I think we we just don't realise it and I think these kind of cities like London you can really lose that and you can be end up being surrounded by people but very lonely and very anonymous Mm. and I think other cities are far better at creating that community yeah no it's weather as well are you thinking yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely it's weather that plays a big role doesn't it but like I've taught I've taught a lot in like Northern Europe and you know they've got maybe it's part of it is space actually as well like in Northern Europe most studios have some kind of seating area mm-hmm. where people can talk afterwards and people can mingle and people can actually exchange ideas mm. you know whereas in a city like London there might be two chairs you take shoes off and you kind of and people out. don't talk so much I wonder why you know when you come to a yoga class in London people don't really sit and talk to each other do they on the mats whereas it seems in every other city or country that is a thing it's, it's you know to be a community in a yoga class is a, is a thing but in London it feels so it can feel so disconnected and maybe that's because it is also transient and maybe as humans in cities like this we're only willing to invest our time in things that could be long-term relationships or thing that ser- things that serve us some purpose. I don't know. As in, if we're going to chat to a stranger in a studio, yeah. maybe we're programmed to think, no, that's not going to go anywhere, so why bother having that conversation? Whereas if we lived in a smaller town, we think, well, they're our neighbours. Yeah, we maybe. do need that long-term Survival, I guess, them. maybe. Maybe it's a survival thing, or maybe, or maybe it's just a selfish thing. <laughs> we think, well, why spend my time chatting to this person that I will probably never chat to or, never even, new or never even see again? Yeah. Yeah, well, in London, you've got the cost of the floor space. 
so that's going to have a lot to do with it. Yeah. I know some of the studios like to have a cafe in the lab, but it's yeah. hard because it's really expensive for them to do that. Yeah. But mm. you know, going back to the community thing, I tell you one thing I really noticed during COVID, early early days of of um, lockdown. Walking, if you were walking around the streets to buy some food or just go and take some exercise, I found people were actually searching for my eyes and I was searching for their eyes. Oh, really? Connection. Yeah. So I was just, hello, 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 hello. I was just <laughs> But as it's eased off, that connection seems to not be so required now. So people will look away rather yeah. than acknowledge. So that yeah. I found really interesting. I wonder, but we do need connections, sorry. But what, what do you think we could do? To, you know, you've, you've chatted to so many people who are in this field. Like, what do you think we could do to help build that again? Yeah. Just go live events and festivals. Mm. Do, you festivals. Think, do you think that this whole period has, has made it worse or helped in some way, I wonder? I was praying for a reset. I was praying for a reset, but I said to, I said to my wife, you know, I would love a reset on this, but I just know that, that the things that um, we're looking at, the sky is nice and clear. Yeah. No aeroplanes. I yeah. just knew these guys would be back like lions, voracious lions. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's not enough change happening. Mm. XR are doing whatever they can do. They're being demonized at the moment. I mean, but they're the, they're the, there's not much else for us to actually hang on to at the moment. And, XR are out there doing the business, but there's so few of them that you know there's there's rallies of people saying I'm not going to wear a mask. Yeah. Okay, great. You don't want to wear a mask. I would prefer you to wear a mask, really. But if that's your belief that you don't want to wear one, what about the fact that the planet's screwed? Yeah. Unless we empower people like XR to actually do stuff, that's that's mm. where people should be focusing their energies rather than again fractal communities of like-mindedness. Very, yeah. very interesting the way it happens. And, and it's, all, it's all very tribal now, isn't it? And not necessarily in a good way. Everything's us against them. And if someone shares a particular belief, oh they God, must share yeah. the whole set. That person must share a, 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 every other belief. There is no kind of nuance in conversation anymore. It's right. I know everything about you because you don't wear a mask. <laughs> I know every other belief you must have because mm. you don't wear a mask. Yeah. 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 I, you know, if you look at what some of these guys are saying, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's conspiracy theories about absolutely yeah, everything. Yeah, they seem to have popped up all over the place at the minute. Uh, on that note, you must have encountered many conspiracy theories in in what you do and the people you've met through filming. Uh, where, where do you think these come from, like psychologically? And maybe you've chatted to your wife about it. Like, where the root where of conspiracies? What's this going Again, to? Again, they come from people that I think kind of feel left out of society mm. or not heard and suddenly they can be heard and with the advent of instant news instant fake news instant commenting on social media and digital you can make a little tribe mm. that has the same belief and if you you notice that you'll notice in your um your news feeds when you look at Facebook or you look at um, Instagram, they're going to they're gonna feed you what you want. Mm. If mm. what you want is a little bit of darkness, you're going to have that constantly. It's like a battle between the darkness and the light at the moment, isn't it? Who's going to win? <laughs> is it, but, that, but I think that is it. I think, there's, I think there's far more light 
in the world than we want to believe uh, than we actually believe i think the average person is actually really good it's just yeah. we see this bubble on twitter or instagram yeah, media doesn't and help we see the most radical thing yeah. like if you look at a twitter feed often in in trending let's say you'll see something by some random person with 500 followers in america who's saying a very radical thing and we suddenly believe that's what america thinks yeah. and it's just yeah. this random person saying it i got i saw an article yesterday about twitter which was essentially if you're white and you own a dog you are racist Oh, God. And that, you know, that was a very, it was, it was a, a serious article. Oh, but of course, seeing that makes you think, oh, all the extreme left are ridiculous. Yeah. And actually, that's not what the left is. There is, there is more nuance than that. Mm. But I just think everything's designed to provoke us and make it angry and divide us now. We are being played. We are seriously being played by media. And if, as long as you've got 24-hour news, then you need 24-hour news stuff to yeah. be able to broadcast it. I think so people, you just, you know, turn it off. It's easy. I think people are waking up to it slowly. I think people know that anyone can post anything these days. So it's probably wise to do your research yourself, you know, and, and become mm. more educated on certain well, topics. Think, yeah, people know that, but often people are unwilling. They're willing to read the headline, but not the yeah. article. Yeah. And then share it without the facts. And they suddenly, yeah. yes. Or it's share dangerous. it without even opening it. Yes, exactly. Indeed. I like that. And there, yeah. is a, there is a wonderful book full of hope. It's called Factfulness. Okay. Uh, and it was kind of it did well it was quite a, a bestseller I think it's a, the Rowling or Rowling family uh, and they just study data and have you know and they work with the UN and they just present how much positive stuff is actually changing in the world like at the massive fall in mortality rates it's amazing and mm -hmm. how how you know, you know the, the pol polio is almost gone now uh, and in Africa recently polio is completely gone as a as a, as a yeah, I think I think pretty much. Mm. There are all these wonderful changes that people just aren't aware of. There should be a channel for positive news. I don't think there anyone... is a there is one positive TV. Is there actually? There right. is. Yes. Everyone go and watch that. Yeah. Um, who's interested? Is it? <laughs> it doesn't, just doesn't sell. That's a, does yeah, it? that's the thing. Is and and we want to be extreme, don't we? We we hear about a plane crash, but we don't hear about every single car crash every day. Everything is extreme. Yeah, but anyway, right. let's move on to happier notes. Yeah, we finished yes, on hope. Happy you notes. Know. We're going to do a, little, a few little quick fire questions for you now. Oh God, yes, okay. <laughs> and they don't need to actually actually be quick. Okay. Just talk to my lawyer. Okay, go on. Uh, <laughs> so, any little book that you've read? Well, it doesn't have to be a little book, but any book that you've read over the last while that you would love other people to read that might help the world. Um, that might help the world. So big, big ask. Well, that's, so you're talking an empowerment book, aren't you? Yeah, well, maybe. Not necessarily, or just a book that changes. It's going to help the world? Or just yeah, or inspire or educate for the better. Even something like The Little Prince, I guess, is just a lovely oh, fairy tale. But actually, book. anyone that reads it, at least for the next 20 minutes, aren't going to do anything bad to anyone else, you'd hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, what would that be? Um, it's difficult because I like to think that I'm in, an intellectual book reader, but actually like crap yeah. <laughs> if i'm on holiday and i'm just on a beach yeah i want to sit there and do what i just like i like ridiculous rubbish things that's fine but, but that can i think equally i think that can bring so much more love and understanding to the world like the i the only way for people to learn and have and build empathy with other people especially when we're not exposed to that many people is to read fiction i think you know, to yeah. read like neil gaiman or terry pratchett and yes it might be an orc Who's, or, or a wizard who's doing the talking. 
but you really get into you know you you're feel emotionally you, you're emotionally invested in it and you yeah. learn yeah. the struggles that people are going through yeah yeah escapism basically yes can so you give- yeah i kind of like escapism can you give us a rubbish beach book? Oh, no, I'd be too embarrassed. Yeah. All right, let's move over then from this question. Okay. The last, the last book I read was Jay Shetty, Think Like a Monk. Perfect. That's a new book, isn't it? You just released that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he was on your podcast as well, wasn't he, recently? Yeah. He, I mean, he's done a good job. He's I, haven't, I, good haven't, job. I haven't listened to the episode uh, with him yet. I'm sure I will mm. do. But he's got a lovely guy. Great eyes. Really good eyes. Good looking boy. <laughs> to look him up. Good looking boy. Okay. He's the first. I would say he's the first one that I've seen take that wham tra- trajectory. Mm. You know, I, I got introduced to the works of Deepak Chopra and la la la, but yeah. they were already there. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Jay, I met in a, you know, a sort of club in, um, not that sort of club, a club in Soho. <laughs> yeah. Just chatting before all this before this happened for him. Amazing. Can you leave us with a mantra or a quote or a philosophy or something positive to end the podcast with? Yeah, of course. Um, it's different for different people, isn't it? It's mm. like I, I really have no religious leanings, mm. but I love Krishna. I absolutely oh. love him. And I don't know why. There's just something in me that just... <laughs> He's your God. Um, <laughs> And no, just meditate, 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 meditate. Find yourself good, like Jack Cornfield live stuff. Do the inner work. Yeah, do the, do inner, the work. inner work. Polish that thing and Love let that. it go into the world. Let it shine. That's a nice place. Yeah, you have to. That for me, ultimately. Lovely. Nice and place to finish. Yeah. Is there any anywhere you'd like us to direct people to, like websites or Instagram, etc. You can check out the, the, um, the um, check out mindbodyspirit.co.uk, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and have a look at the work we're doing at the Ashok Tree, Ashok Tree Foundation, which is um, atcharity.org. Um, that's it. Awesome. Perfect. Thank Don't you so much. Out. I'm not really doing much. I'm not really up to much at the moment. Don't check me out. I'm just just on your boat. In. Just on your boat in the river. <laughs> but I love it. We need more of your calming vibe in the world. Yeah. It's wonderful. Thank you well, so much, Mal. It's been pleasure, such a pleasure. Mate, pleasure. Both of you. Honestly unbalanced.